Hi everyone, this episode is brought to you in collaboration with Invest Ottawa. I teamed up with their team to produce this special series in celebration of leading women and their journeys. Invest Ottawa supports business owners and entrepreneurs through services and programs and recently opened applications for SheBoot, a six-week boot camp to ensure that your business is investment ready. If you're interested, you can visit investottawa.ca forward slash SheBoot to learn more. When you're saying, did I ever you know, make a decision where you had to kind of fight, that was an internal battle. And I said, I need to do this for every woman of color, every younger person, every person who doesn't look like the stereotype of a business owner, because the more you are seen, the easier it will be for the next person. You are listening to the Power of Why podcast. I'm your host, Naomi Haile, and on the show today, I sat down with Nita Tandon, the founder and CEO of Delcini Stainless. We talked about Nita's journey bringing her product to market, the growth that she experienced since starting her business, and also some of the challenges, setbacks, and realities of building a product-based business. She was really honest about her early years experimenting with different stainless steel products, taking things into her own hands, moving into retail, and also how she persevered through the pandemic. Overnight, like many other businesses, she experienced a significant impact to her revenue and sales. And so Nita talked about how she, you know, went back to the drawing board and made things sort of move for Delcini Stainless. I'm really excited for you to hear our conversation. Enjoy the episode. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Power of Why. My name is Naomi Hailey, and today I'm sitting down with Nita Tandon. Nita, how are you doing today? I'm great. Thank you. Thanks for being here. For the audience, I'd like to provide you a little bit of context on Nita's story. Nita Tandon is a sustainable health expert and the founder and CEO of Dalcini Stainless and who is creating a better world with recyclable and toxic-free housewares. Dalcini Stainless is an award-winning maker of safe, simple, and sustainable storage containers and housewares made from stainless steel, which you can hear from the name of the business, uh, with a lifelong interest in sustainable health and a university degree in applied health sciences, Nita spent over 20 years in the pharmaceutical and biotech industry. And around the time, Nita also became a mother. You know, she was looking for products that were safer and healthier for her child. Nita has been featured on CTV, CFRA, Rogers TV, Thrive Global, Turner Radio, News Talk, Parents Canada, EcoParent, and a host of many other publications. Before COVID-19 struck, Nita was working on getting your product, you were working on getting your product into retail. You mentioned many highs and lows in our last conversation. So we're going to talk about Nita's journey thus far, what she's learned, how she's persevered despite the challenges. And so thank you, Nita, for being here. I'd love for you to start us off with sharing a little bit about your origin story and, and you know how you grew up. Well, I grew up here in Ottawa. You know, it was just an an innate love of health is really, you know, in high school, I loved health. I loved sports. I, you know, really gravitated towards health. And so in university, did that, moved into working at nursing homes, went into healthcare. But I really always looked at health and business as two separate things. And I liked both of them. So got into the pharmaceutical world, really loved research. And what really struck me was the amount of chemicals that were 
we were now ingesting. And so if you recall back in 2009, Health Canada banned BPA. You know, it, it made a big impression on me. I thought, well, here's this chemical. Canada is the first country to say we need to ban it, but they banned it in baby bottles, which was a great first step. The, the goal was to then start banning it in a number of other things. And what ended up happening was, yes, there was a ban, but other products started emerging. And so you ended up having BPA products, BPA-free products. Mm. Um, but they were just filled with chemicals. They were just a replacement chemical. And so I, as a single person at that time, could gravitate towards glass. I could, you know, make better choices. But then I had a child in 2010. And what are the options for kids? And if that's the group that is most susceptible to these chemicals that are harming our hormones and our entire health system, and the other side is also these, these containers or these, this plastic or these chemicals are ending up in landfill and now it's hurting our environment. So it's really two pronged. And if I was looking for a solution, um, I couldn't find it. <laughs> so I wanted healthy, you know, as simple as it was, I wanted snack containers for my child that wasn't plastic and it wasn't filled with chemicals and it wasn't going to end up in landfill. And uh, I couldn't find it. And really, that was my start. And I thought, well, how come I can't find it? Because in India, which is where I was born, in India, there's plenty of things. We didn't call it sustainable back then. They were just stainless steel containers. And I had a cup that I grew up with. And so I had it for 40 years. I said, well, why isn't there that kind of stainless steel that lasts that long? And that was really where it got me started. So when I had my daughter, <laughs> this long convoluted way to get to that story, she would go down for a nap and I would get on Google searches and say, why, what is what's wrong with our stainless steel today? And where did it change? And how did we get so many chemicals that we are now ingesting? And what struck me was food containers, is the number one way we are ingesting chemicals. So food containers, food packaging, food sources. And the number one thing that's contributing to landfill waste is also food containers, food storage, food packaging. So why aren't we fixing it? And then I decided to create them. <laughs> so that's my, my backstory. I love it. So you saw a problem, you know, in your own kitchen and in the kitchens of so many households across the across the world. I'm curious to know if you were also having those conversations with your peers and your neighbors and family members. What was what was it like with the people that were around you? Or was this something that you're like, I'm going to figure out what I need to do for my <laughs> kid and my household? <laughs> It really was that selfish. You know, when you know more, you do more. And I felt like I knew the science that they didn't know. And I knew what could be from being in India. You know, having a conversation with someone who's never seen an alternative to plastic containers um, and, and their biggest change is the glass ones. But I'm thinking, yeah, but that glass can't be recycled because it's heat treated. And that glass has a plastic lid. So it's still, it just felt like having a conversation with someone who was unaware of a possibility was futile. So I just really hunkered down and I said, okay, let me find out who can make these. Well, no one would take me seriously as suburban mom in Canada. It was, <laughs> was looking to make these things. So I decided to go register a company. But again, with the idea that I was going to make containers for me, <laughs> like that's how selfish right. it was. And uh, I had my first, you know, then when you started looking at molds and how are we going to do this? And I didn't have the money to make molds. So I basically looked at 
um, things that were very common in India. So shapes and uh, containers that were very common. And I basically um, made adjustments to that. So I would use existing molds, but I would make it thicker and shinier and, uh, you know, different type of stainless steel and, you know, deeper, whatever it was. Uh, so that was my first start. So I did two products. I think my first order was a thousand units and, uh, and that's how it began. Wow. So you basically had like a lab in your, in your home <laughs> and you were testing out different materials. That sounds incredible. And so when you were trying to source products, I know right now you do source products from India. Is that what you've been doing the whole time? And whenever, when you were experimenting, what year was that exactly? Was that in 2009 or 2010? So the thought of creating the company started around 2010, 2011. So I left pharma in 2009. Mm-hmm. All the science was kind of in my head uh, for about two years. And then in 2011, I started, I remember coming home, I bought a whole bunch of lunch containers. I said, you know, I showed them to my husband and I think I'd spent about $150. And I said, this stuff is crap. And he said, what do you mean? He goes, we're not that rich. We can't just buy stuff and throw it out. And I said, no, I need to figure out the problem with each one of these things. And, you know, sort of MacGyvered each piece. I remember at one point I wanted to see how durable they were. So I stood on my front porch and I would take them and I would smash them onto the driveway. Wow. (laughs) That was my my testing. And I'm sure people in the neighborhood were like, what the heck is going on? But I wanted to see how strong they would be. You know, if kids drop them, if I drop them in my house, what is the durability? What is the strength of each one of these? And if I was truly going to have a product that was going to be lifetime warrantied, which is what I wanted. Let me test it. I don't have a lab. I don't have, you know, big money. (laughs) My testing was as a mom and pretend that I'm a kid smashing things down. Let's go. (laughs) I love that. Another thing that I really like about the work that you do is there's also an education component. So if I'll have links to where you can connect with Nita online and learn a little bit about Delcini Stainless, but you have a blog, so you you write about the effects of plastics and consuming all these hormone-disrupting chemicals. And then you also share on social media a little bit about this too. And there was one post that I loved. Maybe I can like share a little snippet where you say, um, have you ever, this is a quote, have you ever wondered why stainless steel is used for appliances, for restaurant, kitchen, surgical instruments, and for food storage? It's because stainless steel is durable easy to maintain, and it's also naturally antibacterial. Its surface is no pores, so it doesn't have any pores, so it will not hold stains or odors. And I feel like as a person that's like looking at your content, part of that is the education piece and also showing like why your product is a better alternative. And I'm curious to know how long was it between when you started testing out your products and then when you launched and went to market? Was that a year? Did it take you longer? It took me a year to find a manufacturer. So Mm. India has done stainless steel for years and years and years. But I will say that over the years, the world has gravitated towards inexpensive product. And so we're no longer looking for quality. We're looking for what is the cheapest I can possibly get. And so India's had to adjust. And if you look at the majority of stainless steel worldwide that's being made, it's not the high quality that it used to be. And I wanted to go back to that. And so it did take me a while to find a manufacturer. The other is, I think as a woman entrepreneur, we 
we asked different questions. And my question was, was that I wanted to make sure there was no child labor because I thought I don't want to benefit my child on the backs of someone else's child. You know, women tend to really look at the world as one big community. So that was important for me. And my manufacturer even laughed and he said, I've never been asked this question before. And you know, that was the start. And then it was questions I wanted to know exactly where did he get the raw material from, you know, just questions. And I wanted proof that that was the type of raw material that he was using. So we had um, a reading and he would do this live reading. And this is where Skype is so fantastic. I mean, we could have conversations like he was right in front of me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it took me a year of really finding a manufacturer that I could trust. Once that happened, I think I put my first order in in 2015, at the beginning of 2015. And by the end of 2015, I had the product in hand. Um, So it did take uh, eight months, I would say, from knowing what the product was, production to fulfillment. Wow. So you grew up in Ottawa, right, Nita? Mm -hmm. You mentioned, as you mentioned, you started your business here. Your, Your child goes to school here as well. I'm curious to know what it was like starting and growing your business over the past six at this point six years five six years right what it was like growing um delcini stainless as as a woman entrepreneur as a woman of color and if you could share a little bit like bring us into your world for folks listening and and tell us a little bit what that journey was like over the past couple of years well, so growing up in ottawa i I was very fortunate i didn't have the racism that i have that I've heard that many others have experienced. And so I really believe this world was equal based on my experiences. And so I went to a good school, I had good jobs, I had good friends that were all different backgrounds. And it was, you know, the the view of the perfect world kind of thing. And so here I was then starting a business and I felt, you know, I had uh, very senior positions before me. I had done a lot of marketing. I was a business consultant before I even started this. And so I went into the business world feeling like I was equipped. Mm. But the interesting thing is when women start businesses, they are not heard. And so I can come to the table and the things that I say just somehow feel like you're a mom and you just get devalued. You are not a business analyst. You are not a, no one asked me what I did before. The assumption was I was a stay at home mom. And that was all my experience. And it was a little bit because I'm not that person that says, no, 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 look at me. No, I did this. I, so it also wasn't in my nature to really put my skills and my qualifications, you know, on my forehead to say, this is who I am. And if I challenged some of the ways things were done, for example, I remember first going to an entrepreneurship center and I said, this is what I want to do. And they said, oh, lunch containers. Um, That's cute. Cute. So then I had um, another person tell me, well, why do you care about the manufacturer? I mean, because I was saying I wanted to have no child labor and I wanted this kind of Mm -hmm. quality. And they said, well, to be in business, your goal is to have low cost, high margin, and that's how you make money, right? It was very simplified. And I thought, well, what if I have a different paradigm? It doesn't make my paradigm wrong. Uh, it just makes it different. And so I do think as a woman, you you come from a very different angle. And I think women should be prepared for that, which I wasn't. I did have to go a couple of different avenues until there was someone that listened to what I was doing or block them all out and just keep going. I think there's that mm-hmm. attitude as well. People didn't quite listen until they saw success. 
Mm. And then they kind of leaned in a little bit and, and heard. And I think as a woman of color, interestingly enough, I sound white because I grew up here in Ottawa. And so if my camera is off and I'm doing phone calls, my business moves much quicker. And the, here we go and, you know, the, the year of Zoom calls, there's a change. There's a difference that happens. And, uh, you know, at one point it was, well, just turn off your camera. Well, then I've got to make a choice. Do I go with what feels right or what's going to move my business forward? And there are two very different choices. And there's sometimes I pick one and there's sometimes I pick the other. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a tough go. Uh, I will say that. But when you finally see traction, there's something that happens innately that says, I knew I was on the right track. Mm. When did you feel that way for the first time? So when I had my first product and I had a thousand containers that I needed to sell, (laughs) I decided to go sell them at a trade show. So I went, you know, packed up my things and went to a trade show, which I had never done. I'd never been that type of an entrepreneur. And I I sold a couple of containers. Well, the people that organized the show loved the containers. So they came by and they tweeted it and they shared it. And and at that time I had gotten noticed and I thought, hmm, I may be on the right track here. But Hmm. it wasn't until I won the startup award in 2016. I, I literally won this award. I thought to be nominated was, was the big win. But when I actually won it and I wanted having people read my business plan, they read, looked at all of the, um, you know, your, your, your business credentials, uh, basically your business plan. And based on that, they said I was the winner. And I think at that point I just had tears cause I thought, Oh my gosh, this, this dream that I have is actually attainable. And then I just had to put the pieces in place and say, okay, go. Mm. So this happened in 2016. Your, your business is doing really well. And, I'm assu- and, and, you know, I'll bring us right before things hit in terms of the pandemic. And that was early 2020. In our previous conversation, you mentioned that you were like a big priority for you was getting into retail. And so can you tell us, like, bring us back a year ago and tell us a little bit about um, where you were in terms of your business and what those, what were you planning out for the next couple weeks, months? So in 2016 was when I won that award. So 2017, we actually introduced a whole bunch of new products. And so mm. we went from two products to 22 products. And um, wow. well, we have 22 products now. So we just grew very quickly. And I was working out of my basement and, and filling all of these online orders by myself. And at some point I knew that I needed to either do larger orders. I needed to move into a warehouse. There was that idea that expansion needed to happen and it needed to happen fairly quickly. So, you know, again, uh, as a woman and as a woman of color, it was difficult for me to transition from home to a warehouse because no one would rent me space. Hmm. They would, they would look at my husband and want to rent him space. And, uh, but as soon as they knew that I was the one going into there, Um, It was a different conversation. And so knowing that I needed to pay rent to someone, I needed to make sure that it was going to be a good relationship, (laughs) right? Uh, So I held off on growth for a little bit um, until I found the right place. So in 2019, I knew I was moving into retail. I had signed with um, a warehouse. I was moving into the warehouse in early 2020. So here we go. 2020, I've now increased my expenses. I'm not fully in retail. I have just been awarded some financial 
an investment, yeah, mm-hmm. funding from CEO. And that was all in uh, January, February, March. March, I know that I'm getting this money. March, all of a sudden, was also when the pandemic hit. And so now I've got expenses, I've got no revenue, and not only no revenue, even the revenue that I did have, everything has dropped 90%. Mm. So it, it, was, it was panic. I mean, it was, uh, to put it mildly, it was panic. And now you've also got kids are not in school, so now you've got to be the mother, you've got to be um, you know, trying to figure it all out. So I, I did what everyone else did. We, we pivoted. I said, okay, retail, every retail store across Canada is now closing. I guess retail's not my, my path. But the problem was to, to pivot and go online also requires an investment. You need to look at SEO. You need to look at Google ads. You need to look at, look at, look at. And so I tried that, but I don't have the money because <laughs> there's no revenue coming in and rent is due and all these different things. So I pivoted again, uh, essentially doing a pirouette because I turn and turn and turn. So I come back and I say, if all my planning was for retail, I need to go back to that. And so that's what I did. And I reached out to the person I had sort of in mind and that retail buyer was ready to make their purchase. And not only did we get into a few stores, we got into a hundred stores. Wow! So we got into a hundred stores plus their online store. So now suddenly the panic was, how do I get product? How do I get enough product? Because supply chain is has slowed down, if not broken, (laughs) you know, the chain is broken. So it just was panic after panic after panic. The end result was that I did grow my business in 2020 when I thought I was actually going to be closing my business in 2020. So, you know, that's the roller coaster, but it's amazing to go to the end of the year and go, okay, as the year was progressing, I was saying, okay, uh, just break even. Okay. You know, just, you know, be able to pay my expenses. Okay. 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 And then when I was able to actually finish the year higher than the year previous, um, that was, that was my success story. Wow. That's incredible. And to hear you, I'm sure every day looked a little bit different and you didn't know what to expect really, but it's interesting that you went back to your initial plan with a twist and, and you knew who to reach out to. And a lot of those things, I'm sure you had that contact for a while. Like, I'm not sure what the background was on that, but I think being able to think on your feet and problem solve and be creative and how are we going to make this work? Those are all of the, all of the right questions, regardless of what kind of position you're in. Right. Um, I'm curious, you mentioned earlier and I was going to cut you off, but I wanted you to continue your story where you talked about you were in your basement, like, and and fulfilling all of these orders. And you mentioned that they were coming in through an online source. Were you at that time selling on your website? What, where were these online orders coming from? Hey there, thanks for tuning into this episode. If you are enjoying the conversation, make sure to share it with a friend, take a screenshot, spread the word. It really allows me to bring on more incredible guests as we continue to level up in the podcasting space. So I originally started uh, with a Shopify sort of e-commerce store. And uh, what I loved about it was how simple it was. And so, you know, you set up your store, um, you see a couple of things trickle in. And I don't know how I got noticed, but I got noticed by California very early. You know, how they found out about me, I don't know. I didn't do any ads. Uh, It was really social media and people sharing it and giving references that were reliable sources 
you know, from the scientists. And I was just, you know, simplifying the science into everyday mm. language. And then people just shared it because I think people could relate. If you look at, I would say 99% of households across Canada have plastic in their kitchen, some form of plastic in their kitchen. And I didn't want to be that person that says, you're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong because we're all doing it. And, and my message really is, if you're given an alternative or if you can change a couple of things, what are the first things you want to change? What are the things that were going to improve your health the quickest? Um, and, and look at those things. And I think people could relate to that message, which is, okay, I can't change everything overnight, but I can change a few things. And so those online orders, uh, they did come from Canada. A few of them came from the U.S., but it was very organic. Mm -hmm. They have a really great community when it comes to just like safe products. But I think that education piece is huge and using content to kind of fuel your marketing in that way really gets people to, especially folks who are really passionate about these things, gets them to share it on their social, to share it with their friends. And it's kind of like a word of mouth, um, really cool scenario that happens. I love that. You've shared a lot of examples of small steps moving the needle for you and your business. Can you talk a little bit about how you develop new products. So you mentioned that you started off with one or two products and then you expanded to 22. Can you talk a little bit about what those first products were and then how you then strategize to grow it and really just take one step at a time? It's a tough, it's a tough go because when you come from a background where anything can be made of stainless steel, I mean, you look in India and stainless steel is as common as plastic is here. That, that's how common it is. And it's not just India. I mean, it's, it's, it's Vietnam. There's, you know, there's, there's lots of places in Asia. So my mind is constantly working at, oh, this could be replaced or that could be replaced. But then the science in me really wants to replace things that are uh, going to touch food, anything mm -hmm. that we're going to be ingesting. And so um, I think, you know, initially everything was related to food, but then I had a, cus a few customers that say, oh, well, I would love my travel um, accessories and things like that, yeah. you know, for those to be stainless steel. And so we would make soap containers and we would kind of, you know, make other things as well. So when I'm picturing where we are going to go next, I really look at what is the world doing right now and where are some areas that could really benefit both health and sustainability. And so our products are infinitely recyclable, which means because there's no paint on it and because there's no resin and because there's no adhesive type materials, the, the product, uh, once we're done with it, end of life, it gets melted down to make into sheets to make new product. And this can be done infinite number of times. And so if you look at a lot of stainless steel on the market, it actually goes to landfill the same way because many of the recycling plants say it just takes too much effort to take off the paint, to take off the different materials. Right. There's too many mixed materials. So one is that any product that we bring out to the market, we always want it to be completely stainless steel. We don't want plastic paint, uh, resins, any of these other chemicals on it. The other thing that we really love is in the food space, and we always want it to look very pretty. But really, that could be in so many different things. Yeah. And you mentioned the word pretty. And I think too, that's why I think Instagram is such a cool tool for you and the way that you've been using it, because there's this whole, I want my kitchen to look a certain way and I want it to be very aesthetically pleasing. And just in terms of that whole 
organizing movement, there's a show called, which you, I don't know if you watched it, called The Home Edit. And I think they've, because of the show and because they were able to really illustrate how you could optimize space in, in really creative ways and simple ways that anyone can really do. I'm wondering if you can speak also around some of the early advice that really helped you uh, scale and grow and maybe some of the tough decisions also that you had to make on, am I willing to compromise what I believe in order to advance my business? Um, Those are like tough decisions to make. And so can you share maybe some stories or examples that you have about that? Oh, those are such big questions. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you know, I wish I could say that there's that much thought that goes into business because a lot of it I feel like is sort of either instinct or you, you just kind of go with what your gut is. And there's not a lot of real decision sort of planning in the head kind of things. But I do know that just recently, so again, with the pandemic, the border between Canada and the US uh, has been closed, but it's open for business people. And so I ended up, I have a satellite office across the border. And at one point I said, okay, I need to go over. I haven't gone over in a year, but I need to touch base. And I called the US border ahead of time and and said, this is what I need to do. What what papers do I need? You know, all of that was as long as you're the business owner, you need this, this, this. I brought everything. I get to the border. And before I could even open my mouth, I could tell this wasn't going to go well. (laughs) And I was, you know, I, I said, well, no, 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 I've got the papers. I am the business owner. And, uh, you know, the comment was, no, but is this your full-time job? And I said, yes, this is my full-time job. And then it was very condescending. And I, I don't know if it was me driving in a minivan. <laughs> I don't know if it was me as a woman. I don't know if it was me as a woman of color. I don't know what it was, but I was guilty. I was not a business owner in this person's eyes. And I was escorted back to Canada, the Canadian side. And so humiliation, the easier way to do it would be like just to fold and say, okay, let me just figure out another path. But then I came back and I said, no, I deserve to be able to be a Canadian doing business in the US like all of my counterparts. It took me two weeks of stewing over this. And at this point, the office in the States was saying, okay, these you know, different things. We're going to have to figure out a solution here. We're going to send them all back to, you know, it was just what was going to happen. I didn't want because there was such a simple solution. I just needed to cross the border. (laughs) It was that simple in my mind. So when you're saying, did I ever, you know, make a decision where you had to kind of fight, that was an internal battle. And I said, I need to do this for every woman of color, every younger person, every person who doesn't look like the stereotype of a business owner because the more you are seen, the easier it will be for the next person. And so I got back in my car, I went back over and the whole time rehearsing in my head what I was going to say and, you know, it was like, get to the border. And it was a completely different experience. The person who this time looked at me, believed me, and it was a younger person. And I think that there is a generational thing of how, you know, the younger generation doesn't see color and gender the same way the older generation does. And, you know, asked me a little bit about my business, asked me what I was doing across the border. I said, I have all the documents. You know, he said right away, no, 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 it's okay. He could tell just from my answers that I was telling the truth. I went ahead, Mm -hmm. I did whatever I needed to do. I was back over. Um, I didn't shop and do anything else. So suddenly there was this trust factor. And 
I'm so glad that I went over as, as, as painful as it was and humiliating the first time I needed to go back over the second time, knowing that I'm making a difference in this world for the people that come behind me. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Every time I hear that story, Anita, I'm like, this is, <laughs> it's, it's painful in that you weren't even given a chance to, you know, not that you even need to justify what it is that you're doing. Like I, I say that I'm following the rules I'm here because I have a business and I'm going for business purposes. And that wasn't, that wasn't enough for this, this one individual. But at the end of the day, I think for you to continue and and persevere in the way that you did is, is a really important lesson for, for a lot of people that we cannot as people afford to stay quiet and allow, you know, this type of behavior to continue. And so, yeah, I'm really glad that it worked out the way that it needed to. I'm also wondering, before we wrap up our episode, in terms of things that you are curious by, you know, things that are happening in your industry, what are some things that you really have your eye on as, you know, not necessarily what trends are you looking at, but things that, that are happening in the world that you're really excited to, to see and play a part of? I would say the younger generation, honestly, I look to, to the younger generation saying they, they have it together. You know, they don't see the world in, in buckets. It's really this, everything is sort of interwoven and everyone is stronger because of it. Um, and so when I look at that as my, as my future, I think we're, we're heading in the right direction. I also think what I would like to see more of is more voices from immigrants because I think they come from different parts of the world and some of them have, you know, histories of their countries that are far longer than our civilizations, right? Like our country is very new. If, if you look at it in context, right? We don't have the history that some of these other cultures have and the experience that they have. And so maybe they didn't call it sustainable living, but what got them this far? I think we need to go learn from them a little bit more. I think the dialogue, you know, let's, let's talk to First Nations who, who, you know, again, didn't call it sustainable living, but they used everything in their environment to move forward. And I think there needs to be more discussions with people that aren't in the limelight right now. Hmm. Great. That's a great point, uh, Nita. And for folks who want to connect with you online, what is the best place for them to do that? Well, DelciniStainless.com, and it's spelled D-A-L-C-I-N-I, stainless.com, and also on Instagram, same name, and on Facebook. I'd love to say on Twitter, but I'm really not as active on Twitter (laughs) as I probably should be. (laughs) I love it. Thank you. Thank you, Nita, for being here. Thank you, everyone who had a chance to listen to Nita's story and the incredible work that she's been doing I think it's so inspiring and to see the ways that you've been able to grow, not even just your business, but also as a human is incredible. So I really encourage you to check out Dalcini Stainless, connect with Nita on social media, and we will catch you in the next episode. Thank you for listening to the Power of Why podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please drop us a review on iTunes. It really helps us get this podcast out to more people. This episode is also powered by Invest Ottawa. Invest Ottawa supports business owners and entrepreneurs through services and programs and recently opened applications for SheBoot, a six-week boot camp to ensure that your business is investment ready. 
If you're interested, you can visit investottawa.ca forward slash Shibu to learn more.